We have been discussing the goodness of God. And I think that we've, what we've been trying to do is explore this idea that the goodness of God is not just for everybody around you but you, but the goodness of God is for you. The goodness of God is not only for you, it's to you. And here's what we need to understand, because sometimes we get in the way of receiving God's blessings because we, we get these mindsets that, 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 oh, I don't deserve the goodness of God. Can we just be honest for a moment? None of us deserve the goodness of God. That's why the goodness of God is so amazing, because he decides to give it to us anyways. And, and, and so we've been talking about this, about the goodness of God is not only for you, and, it, and it's not only to you, uh, and the goodness of God is not only just around you. How many people are aware that the goodness of God is around you? Come on. And, 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 it, and it exemplifies itself in many different areas, but it's also around you. But here's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the goodness of God through you. I want to talk about the goodness of God through you. And here's what my goal is today. I hope to have you understand at the end of this sermon that not only is God good to you, but he's also going to be good through you. And that I believe, my prayer, is that moving forward, we are going to be agents of goodness. And in everything that we do, and that everything that we say, and in every word that we pray, that we will be releasing the goodness of God. And I don't know about you, but as I get older, I think about a lot of different things, and I start thinking about, like, the future. I think about the past, and I start thinking about the legacy that I'd like to leave. And I just came to the conclusion that every time I go to a funeral, one thing that I so enjoy hearing when they talk about them, and, and, and it's nice, you get insight about their lives, and find, sometimes you find things out about the people that, that you thought you knew and you didn't even know. But I like hearing this. They were a good person, a good man, a good woman, a, a good person. And they begin to display and, and show and share the good things that have happened in their life. And as I get a little bit older, I say, Lord, I just, I want to know your goodness. I want to experience your goodness. But Lord, I want you to show your goodness through my life to other people. And so today, I don't know about you, but I'm saying, Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, to understand that not only you're going to be good to us, but you're going to be good through us. And so from the beginning of time, from the beginning of time, God declared that everything he created was good. Do we understand that? Right? Don't get quiet on me now. I'll come right down from this pulpit. I will do it. I've got new running shoes on. I need to break them in anyways. So you guys are like, yeah, it's, they're blinding, man. What are you doing? And I'm just reliving my youth, okay? I had the same pair when I was like 12 years old. So there you go. I'm vintage. Everything comes back around. That's how you know you're getting old, is when the style that you wore in high school is a style again. And now I understand my parents when I used to go like, no, I need these. They're in style. And my dad goes, yeah, that was in style in 76. And I go, oh, I'm, I'm that, how old are you? I'm that old that what I wore when I was a kid is coming back in style. It's just, it's coming around. It's full circle. So God declared from the beginning of time that everything that he created was good, right? Do we agree with this statement? Everything that he created was good. God's goodness is an attribute that characterizes not just what he does, but who he is. And this is foundational to us moving forward in our relationship with him. It's one thing just to say that, that what he's done is good, but it's a whole other ballgame to understand that he in himself is good. And so the Psalms, I don't know if you read the Psalms, right? Anybody else read the Psalms? The Psalms are good. 
I, 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 I really relate to a lot of the Psalms because they kind of start off complaining, right? Right? Come on. They, they start off complaining, and then they start recognizing how good God is, and then they start declaring the goodness of God over their situation, right? Like every Psalm starts like this. Oh, Lord, they surrounded me. I don't know who they are, but, man, they get surrounded a lot, right? Oh, Lord, they surrounded me, and my end is near, and, and yada, 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 but... And I always wait for the buts. But, Lord, you are good. And, Lord, you will fight for me. And, Lord, you will destroy my enemies. And, and, and all this kind of stuff. And it goes through it. But here's what I've been realizing about the Psalms as we've been talking about the goodness of God. I never really realized how much the book of Psalms talks and describes the goodness of God. You can't hardly go one psalm without realizing that what the writer is trying to say is that he is good. And as we were worshiping this morning, I realized that my worship is really just a reflection of the revelation that I have received or understand of his goodness. And the more that I begin to understand how good he is, the easier it is for me to throw up my hands and worship. The easier it is for me to throw down a little dance. I don't know if you saw me this morning, but I, I was getting jiggy with it in the front. You can't see my feet, but, but, you know, the top half was reserved, but the bottom half was having a party. You know what I'm saying? I was like keeping it cool. But I realized that every time I get a revelation of how good he is, it's easier for me to enter into worship. Not only that, when I realize how good he is, it's easy for me to sow seed into the kingdom. It's easy for me to understand that the calling upon my life is a good plan, even though the enemy tries daily to convince me that I'm nothing or that I'm no one and that I'm not going to do anything good. But here's the Lord saying, no, I created you. There is a plan. There is a purpose. There is a reason for your being. Brian, you are not a mistake, but you are a mission. And I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but I'm here to tell you that God did not make a mistake mistake with you. He made a mission out of you. And it's not that you're going to be immune from setbacks, and it's not that you're going to be immune from trials or tribulations, but here's the promise, is that the Bible says he's with you. Come on. And if he's with you, then you're going to receive the victory. And if you're feeling a little worried, you're feeling a little fearful, you're feeling a little anxious, maybe you're approaching 40. Maybe you're approaching 50. Maybe you just graduated and you're like, wow, what am I going to do? May, I don't know where you're at, but here's what I want to tell you. If you stay close to Jesus, he will open doors that no man could ever open on their own will. He will grace you with an anointing that goes beyond your giftings. He will put in you such a peace, such a joy, that even in the middle of the storms, your heart is in calmness. Why? Because you know that he is with you. And at the root of it, if I just have his presence, I have everything I need. You can take away my Jordans. You can even take away my truck. You can take it all away, but please don't take Jesus and his presence from me. Because if I have that, I know that it's going to be okay. And so Psalms filled, loaded to the top with examples of how good God is. One of my favorites is from Psalm 23. How great is, oh, sorry, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Surely is one of the most positive words out there. Surely, without doubt, without reservations, without missing a beat, God's goodness, the Bible says, is going to follow you all the days of your life. 
I have a son. You all know this. I love talking about him because, A, he is the cutest. B, he lights up every room that he walks into. And C, he's in that toddler stage, which a lot of people describe as the terrible twos. I call them the terrific twos. I don't want to subscribe to that, 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 you know, I, I, I don't want that. I want the terrific twos. But here's what he started doing lately. He starts following me everywhere. There's no privacy anymore. None. And he's figured out how to pick locks. Like, I, I, I got to check what this kid is watching on YouTube. I, I thought it was like Paw Patrol. Or, but I think this kid, like, I don't know how he does it. I, like, you know, and, and, but here's the thing. This is what I, it reminds me. Everywhere I go, he's there. I'm walking, I'm walking, and then I stop, and I take a, boom, I bump into him. What, where did you come from? And he's silent. He's like a ninja. You don't even know he's there till it's too late. Right? And it was reminding me of the goodness of God. And so sometimes I'm cooking dinner, and he's behind me, and I move, and he's behind me, and I go over here, and everywhere I go, he's behind me, and then I think I've got just one sweet little moment of alone time, and all of a sudden he's like, I love it, right? Come on, parents. Any parents can relate to it? You love it, but I just wish I could have two minutes. Here's the thing. Goodness of God follows you closer than your toddlers, closer than when they want a snack, closer than when they, come on. The goodness of God, the Bible says, will follow you all the days of your life, not just some of the days, not just on the good days. It's with you through every day. Today, goodness is following you. Tomorrow, guess what? Goodness is going to be there. When you go to bed, his goodness is there. When you wake up in the morning, boom, right away, just the fact that you opened your eyes and you took a fresh breath of air, guess what? That signifies he's with you. And so we have so many opportunities to lean into what is really good about God. Look at this one. Psalm 31 says, how great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. He could have just said, how good is the goodness, right? But I love this. How great is the goodness of God, which he has stored up for those who fear you. Look at this. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection blessing them before the watching world. Wow. Wow. There is goodness stored up for each and every one of you. And not only does he dispense it, but he lavishes it on you. You ever, you, you, you ever gone to a scenario where it's like it's, it's, they just lavish? I was in a scenario one time at a party where I was just like, I was made to feel like a million bucks. It was just over-the-top, lavishing love and appreciation. And, man, it just was just, it was mind-blowing. And I imagine God just dispensing goodness over your life. And here's what the trick is. You don't want to start believing the enemy when he starts trying to manipulate the goodness of God in your life. Because sometimes we miss we can miscalculate or misjudge or misinterpret the goodness of God as something else. And the enemy will swoop in and try to convince us that God is not good to us. He might even tell us, yeah, sure, God is good, but he's not good to you. Because he's looking at your circumstances and your situations and all this other. How many people know, we're going to wake up tomorrow, there's going to be another situation. Wake up the day after that, there's going to be another one. I'm, I don't want to prophesy. It's just a fact. Things arise, but here's the things that never waver. It's the presence and the goodness of God. Wow. 
Look at this one. I love this. Galatians 5. You remember the fruit of the Spirit? Yeah, you do. But the whole on Mondays, we always forget the fruit of the Spirit, but by Tuesday, we pick it up, right? We should have served cake before church. That's what I'm thinking. Let's make that arrangement next time. We'll, we'll, give, we'll, we'll hop up everybody on sugar so we preach right at the sugar high. That would be good. You're thinking about cake right now, aren't you? I'm sorry. Let's get back to the Word. But the Holy Spirit, come on, everybody. It's Pentecost. The Holy Spirit, what does he produce? This kind of fruit in our lives. He produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And guess what? There is no law against these things. You can enjoy these things in an overabundance. There's no law and there's no limitation. And goodness is one of the things that he writes in there for you to have experience in your life. We all know that God is good and that he does good things for his children, right? He's a good father. He likes to take care and provide for his children. God's goodness is seen in many ways and many activities. For instance, his Holy Spirit gives us strength and power to thrive in this world while we await his kingdom to be fully established. I love the fact that he is with me in this world. I love the fact that when I step out my door, I don't have to step out there as a lone ranger. I have a support system. I have the support system. I have the support system that enables me to be all things and to do all things. I have a support system that is so superior to other support systems that it actually allows me to step into the realm of impossibilities. And that's the kind of support system we have. And that's the goodness of God on display. And so don't allow the enemy to try to convince you that God is not good to you because everything that you have need of on this life has already been given to you. And so all you got to do is step out and receive it. Y'all know I love birthdays, right? You know that. You know I love Christmas. I love giving and I love receiving. It's part of the blessing of being an only child. You get good at receiving, right? And here's the thing. It was my birthday, and, and as I get older, I'm a little bit shy. I'm a little bit more timid these days. And, and so my parents came over, and, and they brought a, a, a gift bag, and they put the gift bag there, and we visited for a while, and, and the whole time I'm like, Looking at the gift bag. Now, a couple years ago, when I was young and immature, because now I'm 40 and now I'm mature, I would have just ripped into that thing, right? But I was waiting for them to give it to me. I was waiting for them to give it to me. Now, the gift was there the whole time. I knew it was mine because I saw my name written on it. And here's the thing. Sometimes we forget that the gifts and the promises of God have our name on it. We're waiting for someone to dispense it to it all along. It's already been given to us. My parents would not have been offended if I, like a giddy little child, ran up and grabbed it right away and tore it open and opened it. They probably would have given great joy. But I was being a little timid. And here's the thing. We cannot be timid with the promises and the goodness of God. We can't. The enemy will try to tell us we're not worthy of it or convince us that it's not for us. But it is. And as we open ourselves up to receive it, all we have to do is receive it. Sometimes we, we, we get so focused on everything else that we actually just forget how to receive. Just receive. Just take it. Just receive it. And as I've been getting older, I'm learning how to receive the blessings and I'm, I'm learning how to receive the goodness of God in my life. And I love this one. He gives us that power to thrive. Look at this. We wait on him, trusting that he will come through for us when our bodies are sick. If your body is sick or it's, it's, it's in pain, listen, there is grace and there is goodness that is extended towards you. 
He not only that does he touch our bodies, but he touches our bank accounts that are stretched and our relationships that are strained. He puts his goodness on every area of our life if, everybody say if, if we allow him, if we give him the access. He will not force himself upon that situation. You've got to invite him. And when he is invited, he comes and he distributes his goodness in such an amazing way. Pastor Adam uh, talked about this. We, we talked about this scripture before, and uh, I, I think we were sharing it back and forth. I don't know who mentioned it first. And because I had the microphone, I'm just going to go ahead and take credit for it. We were talking about Psalm 23, or Psalm 27, uh, verse 13. And he shared a little bit about this last year. He, he got the punch on me. He got it out there before I could share it, and that's okay. Um, but it's bearing, uh, worth uh, repeating. And it says this. It says, I remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know what that means? We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to experience God's goodness. We can experience it every day on this earth. When I was a kid, one of the first prayers I was ever taught to pray was the Our Father. Anybody? Yeah, you know? Yeah, come on. Right? We all did, didn't we? That was one of those things. You just, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Maître Père, qui est aux cieux, que ton nom soit sanctifié, que ton reine. I knew it in multiple languages. I was a good boy. Right? One of the parts that I love is like, on earth as it is in heaven. And I've prayed that prayer in excess of thousands of times. And it, it was the go-to prayer for everything. Before hockey games, before meals, before church, after church, during church. We prayed it when we were good. We prayed it when we were bad. We just prayed that prayer. And yet, only in recent years did I really start to understand what I was praying. Lord, I want to experience your goodness on this earth as it is in heaven. I don't know how, I, listen, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want to wait another 40 years before I experience the goodness of God. I've been experiencing it for 24 and a half years. I've been serving the Lord. And, and I've experienced his goodness in many different ways and in many different manners. But I love the fact that not only does God tell us that he's good and that he does good, but he reminds us that we can experience his goodness on this earth. So we don't have to wait. It's available now. And the question is, will you receive it? Will you lay hold of his goodness? Will you be aware of his goodness? How many times are we unaware of God's goodness working in our situation, working for us or with us or even in us and through us. It encourages me to hold on in tough times knowing that I'll see God's goodness in the here and the now. I don't have to wait till the end of my life to experience it. I can experience it right now. And I think sometimes God's goodness is a little bit different than when we expect it to. I know some people are like, oh, I'd like to experience God's goodness. So if I could just have a truck show up with just a pallet of money, freshly printed money, $100 bills preferred, right? That would be the goodness of God. Now, that would be good. Some of you wouldn't be good because you wouldn't know how to handle it, right? Right? It's true, right? But what about this? God's goodness is to be experienced every day in the small ways as much as the big ways. And as I've taken a step back and tried to slow my pace down a little bit as an older guy, um, I begin to realize if I just learn to breathe, if I just learn to soak in the moments, I begin to see and know and experience and, and, and even taste, as the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I begin to really tangibly understand and experience what it means when God says he's good and that he does good. And I see it. 
in the small things, and I, I even see it in your lives, and, and I see it around me, and I, and I see it in the way that he's operating through us, and I, and I see it in the way that he's continuing to build his church, and, and I see it even, even when people come against me, and I keep my heart right, and God works out the situation. I see it. I, I, I see it each and every day, and I experience it each and every day, and I, and I say, Lord, I just want to become an agent of your goodness. And so God's goodness is one of the attributes that makes him God, right? I know about you, but I wouldn't necessarily be interested in serving a bad God. I'm not about that life. Can I say it this way? I'm too old for that life. <laughs> I'm happy and I'm joyful that I serve a good God, a God that the Bible says is for us, not against us. We already have enough things going against us. We don't need the Lord going against us. We need a God that is for us that is with us, that is near us, come on, that is on our side, that is behind us, pushing us, that is in front of us, leading us, that is with us, fighting and, and, and working things out on our behalf. That's the kind of God that I want to serve, and that's the kind of God that I think here at Capital City Church we are serving. And so now it's time to lay hold of the promises of God that are yes and amen and, and to appropriate those into our life. As Christians, we should make every effort to be like our Father, right? Come on. We got to imitate Him and we got to imitate His goodness and we got to imitate what He is and who, who He is and what He does. He's left such an example for us in His Word of how we are supposed to operate our lives here on this earth. Look at this. First Peter says this. For you are a chosen people. I don't know if you woke up this morning grumpy. I don't know if you were happy. I don't know if, uh, what, what's happening. But here's what I want you to know. Whatever, however you woke up, I need you to understand this. You woke up chosen this morning. God chose you. He handpicked you. He loves you. He's provided a plan for your life. And not only is there a plan for your life, but the plan is a good plan. And I don't know where you're at in your life right now. Maybe you feel like the plan isn't going the way that it should be, right? But here's the goodness of God, is that sometimes right in the middle of the goodness of God, you begin to see and know and experience the bigger picture. Oftentimes, we lose sight of the bigger picture because we get so enraptured with what's going on right in front of us that we miss what God is doing on the long term, Right? I remember when I was a kid, they used to tell me about investments. They say, just a little bit of investments over a long period of time pays off. And it's the same thing with the goodness of God, man. We begin to experience and distribute the goodness of God in small measurements each and every day. And all of a sudden, we live a life that is legacy, is goodness. For you are a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation. Look at this. God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the what? Come on, you can show others the what? The goodness of God. You have the ability to show other people the goodness of God. Wow. And I'm like, well, how do we do that? Some of us are doing really well. Some of us are struggling. Some of us have got it all together. And some of us just have a hard time tying our shoes in the morning. Right? So how? Listen, there are a million different ways that you can show the goodness of God. We're going to get into that in just one minute. But here's what I've been challenged with. Lord, every person that I encounter in this life, I want to leave them in a better state than what I found them. That's just what I want to do, Lord. And so, Lord, whatever, whatever opportunity you present before me, Lord, I'm just going to go with it. And I may make a fool out of myself. You can ask my wife. Everywhere I go, I'm making friends. 
If I actually activated Facebook, I don't want to brag, but I'd probably be at like 3 million friends. Because everywhere I go, I encounter people, and I do my best to leave them in a better state than the way that I found them. That's the gas attendant. That's the clerk. That's other people at lights. Man, I, I, I got so crazy with this, right, that that's, uh, I, I now, like, like, smile at people just randomly. Just even in my car, I'm looking, and my wife's always like, what are you looking at? I'm like, just waiting for that person to make eye contact. Like, and then you drive off, and you leave them confused. But, like, all day they're thinking, like, did I know that guy? Why did he wave at me? Someone the other day drove by, and they said hi to me, but not in the type of way that Christians would say hi to one another. It definitely wasn't with brotherly love. And here's the thing. I was driving regularly. I wasn't being aggressive. I don't even know where this person came from. But they came by me, and they gave me the salute. And I was bothered all day. Like, what did I do? Is it because I didn't wave at them? I don't know what's going on, but that just proved to me that, Lord, this earth, this world, people need to see your goodness. You just need to know your goodness, Lord. And I was tempted to follow him and give him the five-fold ministry treatments. But you know what I did as I was going home? I just started praying for them. Because after they gave me the salute, they cut somebody else off, then they rode up on the sidewalk just to get past them. I'm just like, I don't know what's going on in this, this man's life, Lord. But, Lord, just bless him today. Father, just reveal yourself to him. Holy Spirit, just overwhelm him with your goodness. All day, Lord, let him bump into believers. Not just believers. Let him bump into followers of Jesus that are trying to distribute goodness to others. Let's do it. Come on. And so you've been chosen. Not only have you been chosen, but... You have this opportunity because of the fact that you've been chosen. You have this awesome opportunity to show others the goodness of God. For he's called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And so because we've been set free, because we've been set free from the darkness, we can now walk in Christ's freedom and, and light. And we have a responsibility to show others the goodness of God. And so God's goodness flowing in us and through us should be the thing that distinguishes us from the rest of this world. You want to hear a crazy statement? Does anybody want to hear a crazy statement? Because if you don't, I'll just put the mic down and sit down. It's okay. You want to, right? Okay, good, 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 good. You want to hear a crazy statement. Here's the crazy statement. God uses people like you. Like, I don't know you that well. I know me very well. And it blows my mind each and every day that he chooses to use me. I don't know about you. It's humbling. It's exciting. It's scary. But it's thrilling. And, and, and the fact that God would choose people just like you to display his goodness just is just, what? Lord, me? Little old me. I mean, you ever think, like, God by his words created, created. Out of his mouth he created, and then yet he chooses you and me to display his goodness. He doesn't need us, but yet he chooses us. And that to me just excites me saying, Lord, use us. Use Capital City Church any way, Lord, that you see fit so that we can display your goodness while we're here on this earth. Look at this. I love... Uh, I love the scripture in James 1.22, but before we get up there, listen, I want you to understand this statement. 
our faith is not a faith of observation only. This is not a faith that is a standby faith, just a watch it kind of faith. This is a faith that needs putting action to. We need to be putting action behind the faith that we carry and do something to demonstrate it. James says this, but prove yourself doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts. And not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourself by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. And as I was reading that, I was thinking, Lord, how often does Holy Spirit drop an idea in our hearts to bless someone with an unexpected treat or gift or compliments, and we don't? How often does he urge us to speak a word of encouragement, but for one reason or another, we don't? How often does he press us urgently to pray for a person or a situation, but we find ourselves too busy or or, or caught up in what's going on around us that we, we, we don't. And, and as I was thinking about this, I was like, Lord, I need to choose to be like you more every day. I need to start saying that prayer and meaning that prayer where it says, Lord, more of you and less of me. And so we can have a response to God's leading. And it looks like this. Is it possible that people and situations could be radically impacted by the goodness of God if we respond to his leading? And the answer is yes. And so here's the question. If the answer is yes, here's the question. How do we do that? Pastor Brian, how do we do that? Well, I'd love to come up with a blueprint for everybody's plan, but I'm just going to give you a couple practical ways of how you can recognize opportunities of goodness and how you can step into them with your everyday life. And it starts with this. Number one, if you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, um, you need to begin to see yourself as God's co-worker called to bring his goodness into every situation. I started off by saying that I want us to be agents of goodness. And here's what I'm saying is we need to start identifying within the goodness of God. We need to start recognizing that he is good, he's, he's, he does good, and he's made us to be good. He's created us. When he's created us, he stood back at all creation. He looked at it and he said, it is good. That was his identifying factor for you and for I, to understand that when he created us, he didn't make it by mistake. He created it with a purpose and a reason, and he made it, and, and he said that it was good. So understand that God's goodness is not just extended to you, but it's for you. And not only is it for you, but it's also displayed through you. Look at this in Ephesians 2. It says, for we are his workmanship, his, his own master work, a work of art. I like that. Created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which, we, which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Wow. Wow. Here's what you need to start doing. You start need to identify with the finished work of the cross. And within the frame of the finished work of the cross is the understanding that God has already prearranged good works for you and for I. So at the core of who we are, not only is there a good plan set in place, but there are also good deeds for us prearranged for you and I to walk out while we're here on this earth. And so that looks different for everybody. But here's this, the key thing, is if you just go to work saying, I just got to put in my eight hours, just, 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 just punch the clock, get in, get out, get my paycheck, you're missing the whole point. You're missing the fact that you are a co-laborer 
with God. And you're missing the fact that each and every day when you go to work, because guess what? You're stuck there for eight hours a day. Some of you 10, maybe 12. I don't know where you're at. If you got a job that has you stuck there for four hours, good for you. It's good, right? But here's the thing is we're stuck there. You might like it. You might love it. You might hate it. You might despise it. But here's what we can all do. We can all start identifying in the fact that we are co-laborers with Jesus. And when we are co-laborers with Jesus, that opens up the opportunities to be used by him and for him. So I don't just go to work saying, I'm going to punch my clock today. I go to work with the full expectancy that today, Lord, you are going to use me to help someone out. Today, Lord, you're going to use the words I speak the actions that I take, the things that I do, Lord, you're going to slap your anointing and your blessing on it. And some way, somehow today, lives are being transformed because I am a co-laborer with the Most High God. Number two, I see Matthew getting ready. Matthew, I thought you would afford me an extra five minutes since it's my birthday. No? Yes? He's, he's like, oh, I got caught there. Number two, I'm only on number two. Matthew, I'm on number two. I have four points. Three conclusions, an altar call, and communion. And I have 13 minutes. You want to see a miracle? Watch this. But don't start playing early because, oh, no. Number two, let's commit to intentionally distribute the goodness of God at home, at work, at school, everywhere. Look at this awesome scripture in Galatians. So then, while we as individual believers have the opportunity, Let us do good to all people. Look at this. Not only being helpful, although being helpful is nice, right? Mark, it was probably nice that some people were helpful in the situation you were in last week. You know, chopping those trees and moving all those heavy boulders and everything else. If you had to do that for yourself, that would have been daunting, right? It sure was nice to have a little bit of help, right? Look at this. The opportunity to good. Not only being helpful but also doing that which promotes their spiritual well-being. Lord, help me today to promote a healthy spiritual well-being in those that I come across. And especially, especially be a blessing to those of the household of faith, which are the born-again believers. See, here's the thing. It's an amazing to see the wonderful opportunities to distribute goodness if we set our intent on doing So, each and every day, Lord, help me to see the small opportunities to do good, to be good, and to distribute goodness. And here's how I've started doing it. I've tried to start complimenting every person that I come across. You're looking good. You're doing a great job. Yeah, I just want to tell you, you're fantastic at this. And I think great things lay ahead for you. These are all little words that I can throw into an anyday conversation that helps me begin to build those people up, help them to draw closer to God, hopefully help to open up the door. Sometimes you start talking to people and you just say, hey, I just want to tell you you're doing a good job. And then all of a sudden, like, tears start coming. You're like, oh, no. What did I do? I just opened up the river, right? And then you start finding out that they feel like, you know, overused and underappreciated. And they start saying this and that or whatever. And you have this wonderful opportunity just to speak into their life. Some of you older folks, and I can identify with you right now for a minute, okay? Some of you older folks, you think that younger people just want to push you away. But here's the thing. Our young people need a voice of reason, a voice of encouragement. They need a voice of hope and life and love in their life. 
And so don't be shy to encourage young people. Now, young people, don't be afraid to encourage and to support those that are a little bit older than you. See, we have the opportunity every day to be distributors of God's goodness in little ways that make big differences. You ever, ever have a teacher that beyond whatever reason, they just believed in you? I had one teacher in grade three. I came out of grade two being picked on. I told this story, being, being sent to the corner for no reason other than the fact that I had an earring. The teacher hated me because I had an earring. Made it very clear. Told me right to my face, I hate little boys with earrings. I went from that experience with a teacher to grade three. I switched from a French school. Believe it or not, I was in French school till grade two. Then I got bullied, not only by my teacher, but I got bullied by the students as well. I wasn't always this big and strapping. Right? That's a faith statement. Come on. I, wasn't, I was always small, always the smallest. I got picked on, and then I got moved to, to an English Catholic school. Coming from a French school. And I got picked on. Why? Because I was French. What a stupid reason to pick on someone because they're French. Because they're a little bit smarter than you because they speak two languages and not just one. <laughs> That's jealousy, my friend. Come on. Woo-hoo-hoo, right? Oh, those that made fun of French people right now are repenting real quick. They're feisty. They picked on me. But I had one teacher, and I remember her, Miss Flynn. Man, she spoke into my life. I had such a hard time with spelling in English because in French we had E-R and Exante something on top of everything because we like to make it difficult. And there is a verb for every word, and there's a him and a her for everything. Oh, my goodness, this is confusing. And then you go to English, and there's no E-R on every word, and the words that sound like they have E-R don't have E-R, and oh, my goodness, and there's one word, and it can mean 14 different things. This is crazy. But Miss Flynn stood by my side. I went from getting ones and twos on spelling tests, 20 words, and I would study so hard, but I would just always want to put an accent or this or that, and she stuck with me. You got this. You got this. And by the end of the year, she sent me on a trajectory of success in school because she believed in me. See, don't underestimate the impact that you have on people's lives. Don't underestimate the kind words that you share with people because sometimes that kind word is a breath of life to a situation that has only known death and destruction. See, people are always looking for the big thing. Oh, the next, you know, Reinhard Bonnke, the next Billy Graham, the next this. Just be the next you. Just start small. These guys all started small. They just started with one person, with two people, with three people. These guys would dress up in suits and ties and preach to three people as if they were preaching to three million. And as they were faithful, come on, that's the key, as they were faithful. God began to open up doors and allow their giftings to shine. Number three, train yourself to listen for the Holy Spirit's leading. Pentecost Sunday, what an awesome opportunity to be able to realize that the Holy Spirit is here, was given to us, the church, to help, to lead, to guide, to strengthen. Realize that Satan isn't going to urge you to shovel your neighbor's driveway. Come on. It's not going to urge you to bless somebody. It's not how he operates. He operates on the basis of destruction. You know the Bible says? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Anything beyond killing, stealing, and destroying is not his motive. It's not what he does. He just comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If it's bringing life, come on, it's from the Lord. And so here we are. That's God leading you to extend his goodness into this world. Ask God to help you stay in tune with his spirit. Acts 10 says this. 
how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing what? Good, doing good and healing. Wow. All who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. See, we need to recognize that the difference between someone experiencing God's goodness or not may depend on our response to his leading. And oftentimes, Holy Spirit's leading doesn't come in a really loud voice. It always comes. I shouldn't say it always. I, I, I correct myself. It often comes in just a sweet nudge. And picking up on these cues from the Holy Spirit is not only fun in developing, but it leads to amazing adventures in faith. And it comes like this. Like, you're driving and you're like, man, thinking about, I'm thinking about Timmy. I wonder how Timmy's doing. Guess what? That's probably Holy Spirit prompting you to just give Timmy a call and see how he's doing. These random thoughts, when you get down to it, oftentimes aren't that random. They're actually very succinct and they're very um, straightforward coming from the Holy Spirit. And so be careful not to be so busy or, or, or consumed with daily responsibilities that you don't notice when God is prompting you to share in his goodness. Matthew, I will give you permission to start playing the piano. Not that you've ever needed it because you're anointed. But here's the thing that I recognize in the Bible. Whenever there's the opportunity for God to anoint someone, it's always leading to the end result of something good. And so we are not anointed to build an altar onto ourselves. We are anointed to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And everywhere we go doing good and helping people experience the freedom that we've tasted and that we've known as a follower of Jesus. And so number four, we finish with this. Cling to what is good. That's number four. Cling to what is good. I read this scripture a while back and it went off inside of me like a bomb. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Hold tightly to what is good. The New King James Version says, cling to what is good. You ever have a clinger in your life? Someone who just follows you around everywhere you go, everything that you do, they just happen to be there whether you invited them or not. It's called the stage five clinger, right? They're always there, always around. They never let go. They just keep holding on. And here's the thing. The Bible commands us to cling to what is good. Here's what I found about the real professional clingers. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you do. They just cling on for dear life. You cannot get rid of clingers. You ever hear this? Oh, don't be so clingy. Oh, give me my space. If you're married, you might have not had this conversation, but you might have had this thought. So, wow. Not me. Maybe you, but wow. So clingy. They're always there wherever. Yeah, that's called marriage. Two becomes one. That's part of the deal, man. <laughs> but when it comes to the things of God, 
Although being clingy in the world's terms is probably not a great thing. You don't ever describe someone as like, wow, they're a really good clinger. I wish I could be like them. Right? Sometimes we cling on to things that we know we should let go of. We cling on to relationships that we know have expired. We cling on to to things that have happened to us in the past that we know are not bringing life, but but it is only bringing anxiety or worry or doubt. We we maybe we even cling on to past failures, or maybe maybe we cling on to past victories. Maybe we're trying to to survive today by holding on to a victory that took place 20 years ago, not to 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 realize that there is a victory here and now today. There's a fresh one for you available. And so we can cling on to so much, but here's what I found out is that the Bible says, just cling to what is good. Lay hold of the goodness of God and don't let anything shake you off of it. Lay hold by revelation and experience that the God that you serve is for you, that he is with you, that he has your back, that there is a reason and a purpose why he created you. He is not a God of chaos, but he's very exacting in what he does and who he does it through. And my prayer today is that he has chosen you to do great and marvelous and wonderful and good things now and here. And so, Father, I pray I pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand and to know your goodness. And as we finish off this series, I pray, Lord, that we would begin to understand that you created us for good works, that you've created us for a good purpose and a good reason. And Lord, that we wouldn't just try to hoard and hold on to your goodness, but Lord, that we, as we freely receive, that we would learn to freely give and that we would learn to be conduits of your goodness, examples of how awesome you are in who we are, what we do, and in the way that we speak, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we begin to Submit ourselves to your plan and your purpose and your will. Even outside the walls of these church, Lord, that we would seize the opportunities that you would present before us. That we would learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as he leads us and guides us. Lord, I want to thank you that you've been good. I want to just recognize your goodness in this place, in this space, and in our lives. Father, I pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us in new and exciting ways each and every day. And so here's the amazing thing. It says, I think about the goodness of God. This is what I really begin to recognize is that it was best displayed in this scripture here. Romans 5, it says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. 
But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And so you want to talk about the ultimate act of goodness? Is that while yet we still didn't deserve it, he still provided a way for us to be saved. And so here at Capital City Church, we understand that in order to become an agent of goodness, we first have to receive the instructions from the one who is good himself. And so we do that by saying a simple prayer. And so maybe you've said this prayer before. Maybe you've never even heard or seen a prayer like this, but you have the opportunity today to experience God's goodness through salvation. That's the first step, my friends. The first step is to realize how good he is. Receive that goodness in your life by salvation, by freedom, and then start on this journey of faith. So I'm going to ask you to say this prayer with me, to mean it in your heart and to receive Jesus in your life as recognizing that he's been good, that he is good, and that he has good for you. And this is really simply a laying down of our plans, our thoughts, our ways, and submitting ourselves afresh to him and saying, Lord, whatever it is that you have for me, that's what I want. Because I understand it's way, way, way more good than what I could put together for my own life. So let's say this prayer together. Let's say it out loud. Let's say, Jesus... Thank you for paying the price for my salvation. I ask you to forgive me of every sin. I repent and I'm purposing to change the way I think and live. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, help me learn about you and to grow in this kingdom lifestyle. I declare you're my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.